Thank you. Uh, if you'd like to open your church Bibles and you will find the parable on page 1048. And um, we're reading today the parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, everything has been, it's now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. First, one said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I have just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of the banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you about an invitation with eternal impact. An invitation with eternal impact. And that we are blessed when we get a sit at the right table. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you long to speak to each of us here. Would you open our hearts, our minds, that we'd be renewed? And would you speak to each of us the thing we need to? But Lord, above all, would we be moved by this invitation to the great banquet? And in turn, would we invite others for the glory of your name? Amen. Amen. Well, as humans, we long to make a difference, don't we? And to make an impact that will last longer than we will. And I want to talk to you today about how you can, how you can have that impact that be go, goes beyond your life. You know, it can only take a few moments to invite someone to explore Jesus. And although it only takes a moment it can impact and transform their life for now and for all eternity. And in each of our minds and our hearts, we'll have different friends, work colleagues. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's someone you'd love to be your spouse. Your neighbour, person you would love not to be your neighbour, who you would love for them to meet Jesus. And today we can see with just a little invitation it can have a great impact. And Debbie read from our passage, do keep that open, page 1048. We want you to know that we're not making it up, but it's there in the text, been there for 2,000 years, and it speaks today. And we've just heard a story Jesus tells, a parable, a story he's telling in Luke's gospel. And Jesus at the time is sitting with a group of Pharisees. 
Now, Pharisees are the Jewish religious leaders. They're meant to be the moral compass. And the topic of a conversation, I don't know if this ever happened to you at dinner party late in the evening, goes on to like heaven. And what's it going to be like? And one of them who knows the scriptures well goes, as we can see in our verse 15, blessed is the one who will eat in the feast in the kingdom of God. Speaking of eternity, blessed, like you've just said to the other person, blessed is the one who will eat in the feast of the kingdom of God. And Jesus responds to that with this story. And Jesus tells a story of a man who's hosting a banquet. And I want you to imagine the biggest feast you possibly can. You know, no little meal deal, no like even cook, however good it is, put it in the oven. The biggest feast you can imagine. You know, the wine has been allowed to breathe. The lamb is so tender it falls off your fork. The music starts as Gypsy Kings and then goes in and you're like, this is amazing. And you're there with all your friends. I want you to picture what that is like. And then I want you to picture what it's like for you to be someone who gets to invite people to that party. And it's completely free. It's paid for. It is the party above all parties, a party that is never to be missed. As a messenger, that is quite a cool thing, isn't it? You're like, I know entrance into the best club, known beyond the best club, the best meal that you'll ever have. And today, that's what Jesus is saying. And we get to invite to a party that's one you never want to miss. But it's interesting in our reading that we see different responses to this amazing invitation to a great banquet that's been put on. And it's a banquet which you would have sent an invitation months in advance, a bit like a wedding. You invite people months in advance, and the nearer the time when it's ready, you send someone out. A bit different to like, you know, WhatsApp, like 12 o'clock tomorrow, see you there, yeah, see you type thing. It's like invite ahead of time. And so we're going to spend some time looking through this story and seeing how people are going to respond differently to our invitation. And secondly, that there are four motivations. Why as a church, we want to cultivate a heart of invitation to exploring the big questions of life and hope and a great party. But firstly, people will respond differently. It's said that one in five will say yes if they're invited to Alpha. I'd love you to turn to verse 18 and we'll see what it says. Just like this huge party when some people said no, we're not going to be surprised. We're going to see it in the text here. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just brought a field. You know, I must go and see it. Please excuse me. The second says, oh, I haven't, I've just brought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. You know, all sorts of reasons there. We've got land. Maybe today that might be like, I'm renovating my house. I'm really sorry. I've got to go and see it. Or it might be, you know, instead of the oxen, you know, I've just got the new like Tesla and I just really want to just sit in it because I'm going to do that. I'm not going to come to your party. I'm going to sit in my car. Or it's like, I've just got married. And do you see the married one? They don't even say, please excuse me. Just like, I just got married. I can't come. And it's like flat out, not even going to give you a response. But today we have the same objections, don't we? You know, I'm too busy. I've got this stuff going on or relationally. And there'll be people who will say no for whatever reasons to coming to church or Alpha. 
Maybe it's misconceptions about what church is like. Maybe it's bad experiences. Maybe they are renovating the house and they're so short and they just like, I can't get up on a Sunday. Never going to get there. Or maybe they think, you know, I've nailed life. I've got to the top of a ladder. I've got the car I want, the family I want. I can go on holiday whenever I want. I don't really need anything else. Is there anything else which is better than this? Look what I've done. Or for some, maybe it's like, Maybe it's true, but I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit worried that I'm going to come in and I'm going to be judged because there's going to be holy people there and I'm not. And that's a bit like saying, I'm going to go to the gym, but I'm not going to go to the gym because that's where all the fit people are. It's like, no, everyone's on a journey there. The same in this. But we see that different people come for different reasons. And when Jesus is sitting down with these Pharisees and he's talking about eternity, talking to people who would know what it's meant to be like, What does Jesus use? How does he describe it? Well, he uses human language, which can't possibly get close to describing something indescribable, but speaks of a great banquet. If you ever think that church should be boring, if you ever think that the faith and that eternity is boring, no, it's not. Look what it says. A great banquet of above all banquets that people would be so mad to miss out on. On the last Alpha course, we asked for feedback at the end of the course from people who came. And we asked them, like, what was it like? How did you find it? Some people said, it was the best night of my week. Others said, I always look forward to the evening. Someone said, more please. And others said, it's transformed my life. And you know, that's just a midweek dinner on a biodegradable, environmentally friendly plate in a church with a bit of conversation on a Tuesday. That pales to what the great banquet is going to be like. But it's a little foretaste. But one in five, remember that one in five. Barna Research is this large global research agency. And they worked with Alpha to work out, you know, what's it like? How many people will say yes? And that's where it came up to saying one in five, if asked, will say yes to God. But I don't know about you, it's so often easy when someone says no for that to stop. If someone says no, oh, there's one person says, okay, I won't ask anyone. Everyone just hates me. No one's going to say yes. But I love Thomas Edison, who, as you know, sort of invented the light bulb, discovering electricity. He said, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And for you and I, we don't need 10,000. We only need five and there'll be one. And a lot of people will have a better ratio than that. But if you looked at your phone and your contacts, that's one in five. If you are work in an office of 80 people, you know, 20 would say yes. A football team, you would have two who say yes. A rugby team, three. That's why rugby is better. But three would, would say yes. Your classmates, that might be six. Your road with 40 houses on, you're eight. What does it look like for you to think who could say yes? But we've got to be surprised at who comes. In this story, Jesus is sandwiching it. It's been sandwiched between two accounts of Jesus sitting down for a meal. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, having a meal, or leaving a meal. And here, Luke, the writer, is sandwiching this parable, this story, between two accounts. One in Luke chapter 14, 1, where Jesus is sitting with some people, and then Luke 15, 1. And in Luke 14, 1, Jesus is eating with those Pharisees. You know, the religious leaders who knew it all, the moral compass, 
And then after our story, we have chapter 15, one, and Jesus is eating with people you would not believe would be close to, anywhere near close to a holy God. And what is ironic is that as you read through Luke's account of Jesus' life, the very people who were the religious leaders, the very people who had all put together are the ones who reject Jesus and his invitation. And yet it's the others who you think of a complete outsiders and outcasts who hear the truth and receive this invitation to life in all its fullness. And Jesus spoke of that a bit earlier on. In Luke 5, he says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And church, we're a place where we all know we need help, where we need a great physician, where we're in need and we're sick. And each of us has a part to play in the culture that we build here. The culture that we build can either be pharisaical, a place of exclusion and of unwelcome that you have to be a person like us to get in. Or we can build a Jesus culture, a Jesus culture that we long for here in LPC, that everyone is welcome. That's why you see it on the sign outside. No matter the background, no matter what they've done, who they are, you are welcome here. And you are not just seen, but you are loved And so we want as a church to be a church that is surprised at who comes and is so surprised with joy at that. Because do you see the downside risk is minimal, but the upside risk is eternal. In the UK, the worst that can be said when you invite someone to church is to be laughed at. Maybe you've had that. Maybe someone might get angry at you or be rude or sort of like ostracize you a little bit. Other parts of the world is very different to that. But that's what happened to a guy in his 20s. And he's backpacking around on his gap year. And he meets a guy called Tony. And uh, he starts talking to Tony and says, um, talking about Jesus to Tony. And Tony gets so annoyed. And Tony's really angry and tells this guy all the reasons why he's not a Christian. He gets really annoyed and rude and storms off. But do you know how I know that story? Tony was Sophie's vicar at university. And Tony has paid a part in thousands of people coming to know Jesus. But he tells the moment that it started his questioning of faith and his looking into the evidence of who Jesus was, was that moment on a, in a backpacking holiday where someone was dared to ask, do you know who Jesus is? It's amazing, even the nose can get turned around and God can have the last laugh on that way. When you invite someone, there's always a risk of rejection. But there's an opportunity of salvation. There's a risk of rejection, opportunity of salvation. What are you willing to risk? In the story, who risks the things? It's not the messenger, it's the host who's willing to be rejected by some but that others will say yes. There's no risk, no reward. But I love that this invitations aren't about us. If you look at through the story, you'll see that. In the story, Jesus tells that the host has done everything and all he asks of the messenger is to go out and invite people to come. To come. And we see there's four motivations 
here for us to cultivate a heart of imitation. Firstly, the pressure is off. All the messenger has to do is to go out and say a polite four-letter word. Come, come. But I don't know if you've ever had to host something and, you know, there's pressure. If anyone here is like, try to plan a wedding, you'll know what it's like. And you've got your, your map of your table map, and you're like, that person can't sit next to that person. Uh, what's going to happen? Is it going to be too noisy near the band for them? Is it going to be too hot? Is this the right drink? So people are going to think I've served the right champagne or the wrong champagne. Have I given too much food, not enough food? Have I done canapes? Is it going to be warm? Is it going to be sunny? If it rains, what are the alternatives? Where are people going to stay? And you can just feel the pressure on, Right? But what I love here in the story and for us, the pressure is off us. The banquet is ready. It has been made and we just say, come. With Sophie's old work, one of the great perks that we had was that we got free tickets to the Royal Albert Hall. And so for a while, we were definitely the favourite children. And we'd be like, hey, do you want to come to the proms? Would you like to come and see Mumford and Sons? Would you like to see this person? You know, what have we done? We've done nothing but have the joy of saying, come. Come to something which someone else has put on and it's going to be amazing. We, in the same way, get to say, come to this great party. It's been paid for. How on the cross Jesus' blood spilt that you and I can come into relationship with him. Come, it's been ready and there is a seat waiting for you. We're going to sing later, in my father's house, there is a room for you. And God has prepared that. And we long for people to discover that. But sometimes, I don't know about you, I can feel a bit like, almost, I'm not really worthy to invite people. Um, You know, I'm not clever enough. I'm not good enough. I haven't ticked the right Christian boxes this week. More of a glutton than a faster. More of a like BBC scroller than looking through scripture. And you can feel a bit guilty about it, if we're honest. But the pressure is off. All we have to do is say, come. I love that someone on the recent Alpha course, um, in his workplace, has started talking about his faith. And um, at first, he was a bit nervous about telling people. And then he says, I realised I'm not telling them about me. I'm telling them about God. And I've got a really good backer in God. If you ever feel like you're unworthy, don't worry, I am. We all are. But we've got a worthy God who's got a great party people can be invited to. You know, our second imitation is that Jesus is the best news. Jesus is good news, the best news. The start of an eyewitness account in the book of Mark starts off. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel means good news. You know, we can think our mates have got it all put together, our friends, our colleagues. You know, their beautiful homes, their filtered holidays, their filtered lives that show everything being perfect. You know, am I just breaking their good stuff to share some bad stuff? No. Jesus says, I have come to give life and to give it to the full. You know, Jesus turns up to a wedding, the first miracle he does Do you know what he does? He turns water to wine, not to any wine, the best wine, not just a little 180 gallons of wine. That's a thousand bottles of the best wine possible. Jesus is the best news. For me, I love that I know the love of God that's been poured into my heart 
by the Holy Spirit, that I can know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that the society might reject me, but God says I am a much-loved child of his. The third motivation is that Jesus meets every need that each of us has. Verse 21, turn with me. The servant comes back and the owner sends him out and says, go out. And he orders the servant to bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. All these different people have one thing in common. What is it? They're in need. In this story, the poor wouldn't have enough food, so going to a banquet means they're fed. The blind and the lame would have been outcast by society. They wouldn't be allowed to be welcomed into things like this. And yet, what's Jesus saying? Yes, they're invited. There's a place for them. They can receive community and welcome. We can be confident that Jesus meets every single need we have and much more. Jesus met a woman at a well who, in a scorching hot day, a lot hotter than this, went out in the middle of the sun to get some water, outcast by society because of what she'd done. What happens Jesus welcomes her and says, I'm not just going to give you something to drink, but the living water, eternal life. Everyone in this room, everyone in the whole of Leatherhead and beyond is needy. However filtered, however well put together our lives, we present to put out to look. There's a pastor in the States called Rick Warren. Uh, He was talking to a few of us last year. And he talks about build your church on and with broken people because they know they're needy, not with prideful people, but with broken and needy people. And we're broken and needy if we're honest, aren't we? You know, people come to Alpha with different reasons. And Jesus doesn't only just meet those needs. Sometimes he doesn't, but he does so much more. Some come to Alpha in a season of loneliness. You might be lonely today. And they're wanting community and friendship. Jesus meets that need, but then they discover that Jesus says over them, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Some come to Alpha a season of grief after a loss of a loved one. Will my heart ever be whole again? Am I ever going to be loved again? And Jesus says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. That in my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Some come to Alpha because maybe their home life is marked by aggression, difficulty and friction. And they're looking for a place of safety. And they encounter the God that they can pray to as my rock, my fortress, my shield, my deliverer. The one whom I take refuge in. But Jesus isn't just the Prince of Peace, but he's the King of Justice and he of his vengeance on those who dishonor others. Some come to Al for a season of financial difficulty, looking for a meal and for hope. They find a treasure that is of infinite value that the Bible says neither moth nor rust can destroy, nor thieves break in and steal. Some come to Alpha because they're waking up at 2 a.m., And what they've done, they just can't get it off their minds. And they'd hate for anyone else to know. And they're looking for forgiveness and a fresh start. And Jesus doesn't just know them in that place and love them in that place. 
It's said of him in 2 Corinthians 5 that he has a power to step into that and to take this shame and guilt upon himself so that person who's guilty and shameful like we all are can what? Find transformation and become the righteousness of God. Others come to Alpha. They've made it to the top of the ladder. They've smashed their career. They've got a Tesla outside and whatever else they want. And they realize this isn't it. This doesn't satisfy. There's got to be more to life than this, surely. And they discover in looking for the answers that there's a man who died on the cross to give them a purpose for now and eternity that the only true treasure and contentment can be found in Jesus. And finally, these invitations have an eternal impact. You and I, if we've said yes to following Jesus, if we have picked up that invitation and instead of giving the excuses of everything else, said, yes, I want to come to the best party possible. This banquet that you've paid for that I could never, an entrance into heaven that I could never earn, deserve, or I could win. No, but thank you for inviting me. Thank you that there's a table set for me. We can be encouraged today that there is a promise that fear of death can never take. Why? Because eternity is a banquet. But more than that, you and I have a part to play that we can shape other people's eternity by our little invitation saying, come, come and discover the truth. Come and put this to the test that Jesus says who he is. Is he that? We're convinced of it. Come and discover that. You know, a few years ago, um, at our old church, I got one of those last minute invites to a party. I don't know if you've ever had that. Where you know full well that there's been the invitation sent out for months before. You know, it's one of those parties where, um, you know, there's probably the proper invite has come and it's like they pay for their own type of stamp. And, you know, you open it up, you're like, wow, that's going to be a party. I'm not going to miss that. It's in the diary. And it wasn't like that for Sophie and I. We got the one where you get like the email where you think you've also missed the email invite. And it's just like a little one line. Hey, if you're free next Tuesday, do you want, or next Friday, do you want to come to this party? Uh, it's black tie. It's in this place. And so Sophie and I, I'm a trainee vicar. Um, Sophie's eight months pregnant. Um, we get on our nicest clothes, black tie and a lovely dress. Sophie looks amazing as always. And we turn up to Hampton Court. I don't know if you've ever done that where you've underestimated a party. We get dropped off and we, like, we go to the entrance of Hampton Court as there's fire tunnels like you're coming out of Twickenham. And you're entering and you slowly, we slowly worked out, oh, I recognise that person from somewhere or screens and stuff. And then you realise that the person who's organised this party hasn't rented a room at Hampton Court, but rented out the whole palace. And it is a banquet beyond banquets. You are there as a champagne reception, then you're escorted to the next room, and then the next room, next room, and you've got this amazing band playing in the evening. And Sophie and I remember sitting down at these like long feasting banquet tables. And if I'm really honest, one being really shocked, why am I there? How am I in this room? I'm really humbled to think, wow, I've been invited. But at the same time of feeling a bit of an imposter, like, I don't really fit in here. (laughs) I don't deserve to be here. And, you know, when the host was walking down there and saying, greeting everyone, 
you know, Sophie couldn't even look him in the eye, feeling like a bit embarrassed to be here. I've taken a seat, which is someone else's. But what I love about Jesus, he's a host who looks you in the eye. He's a host that goes to the outsiders, the broken, the lame, the cripples, and the blind, those who know they're needy. As a man with leprosy, who everyone else shunned, Jesus went to him, arms open, held him, and healed him. What is amazing about Jesus, he's a host that has invited you and I to this banquet. There's a name on a table set for you. There's a seat waiting for you if you would respond. There's a seat waiting for our friend, our family, our work colleague, our spouse, the one we'd like to be our spouse. It says their name on it. Will they accept to it? And there are people in this town who don't know that there's a man, God himself, who took their pain, their punishment, their sin on the cross and paid for it, the sin that they could not pay for. He was ransomed. He brought them out of that to pay for them that they could come and sit at the table with him and that they are invited because the Lord himself has invited And you and I have a task that we are commissioned to go into our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, our families, our town and say, come. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to do the right things. What is our job in here is to say, come. I love the urgency and the passion the host has in this story. Do you see it? Verse 23, the master tells the servants, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house is full. Jesus wants a full house. It's a great story. It's a great banquet. It's not average news. It's the best news. The pressure's off. It's not on you and I. We say come. Jesus meets their needs and more. And if you've received the Lord, you know that to be true. And far more than anything else, it has eternal consequences, whether we say yes to his invitation or not. We're either separated from God or welcomed into a banquet with him forever. So how do we respond? We're going to do one in a second, but under your seat, there'll be five invitations to Alpha. Why five? Well, you'll remember that one in five will say yes. On your minds... And if you ask the Lord, he'll start putting friends, work colleagues, who you might want to invite. Maybe it's you. And you're like, oh, I probably should see if this is true. Quite like a good meal. It'd be worth it. They're not going to bombard me emails afterwards. But who are those people the Lord's put on your hearts to invite? And then you can do what people have been doing in this church. Send a WhatsApp. Hey, do you want to come along? It's amazing how many say yes. Hey, work colleague, you know, Kevin may say no, but Julie's like, yeah, I'm up for going along. That sounds great. I'm open to explore. What a wonderful thing to do. Who would say yes to your invitation? Who can you see have a difference for their eternity? That at the end of a story, that they in eternity are so grateful for what you've done. Just like that guy who spoke to Tony on his gap year backpacking around. Who are you going to invite Amen. We're going to stand now and uh, we're going to respond. In a little moment, we're going to come to communion. 
and to the Lord's table. So if we stand, if we're able. Um, and Tom will lead us in communion in a second. Uh, but I don't want to miss this opportunity for people to respond to what the Lord might be stirring in us. And we're going to pray. You might be here first time. You're like, oh, I'm not really sure about this. That's completely fine. But we believe God's here and wants to meet with you. And um, I close my eyes as I um, sometimes pray because I get distracted by everything else. And um, God's a good God who gives out gifts. So I open my hands out rather than it's like the opposite of a posture saying, no, I'm not coming in. Be like open. And I'm going to pray and we have a moment of silence and you can just do some business with God. And then we'll give some words out, which we felt that God was speaking to us on. And then we'll have communion and respond. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Before the service, there's a big group praying in the hall, and we felt the Lord wanted to maybe still some hearts. Maybe you have a heart or a mind that's constantly active, in you, and you're just really filled with anxiety. I think the Lord wants to bring stillness. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you. Others, you're, you've actually got a seeking heart, and you want to know if this is true. that you are welcome to receive at the Lord's table if you receive his invitation. And another one on sense that the Lord wants to pour out joy. If you feel like you've been sapped of joy in this season, we'd love to pray that you know the joy of the Lord. But if you've got a seeking heart and you, you're aware you've never responded to this invitation, I'd love to give you an opportunity now in your heart and your mind to do that. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to hand it to Tom. And it's a prayer that, it's a thank you, sorry, please prayer, just recognises what God's done. It's a sorry because we know if we haven't got it right and saying, please come into my life. So if this is for you, it might be the first time you pray or it might be a meaningful time. We'd love to hear afterwards, but you might want to echo in your heart. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you that you've invited me to spend eternity with you. Thank you for Jesus and what he's done on the cross for me. I'm sorry for my sin, my mistakes. And there might be something comes to mind. You can just bring that to God and once you've given it to him, it's done, it's dealt with. Sorry for my sin, for turning away from you. Please come into my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you make me new? In Jesus' name, amen, amen.